sang this song to me. There was a message in his melody, sweetest lyrics that I ever heard. There's a message in the songs of birds. Tomorrow is another day. Living is the only way. Tomorrow's gonna ever come. Listen to the words of the song. Everything gonna be alright. Everything is gonna be. Greetings and welcome to A Sip of Inspiration. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, known as the Empowerment Doctor. And as I always say, it is just a wonderful pleasure to be here with you all this evening. So those of you who are able to listen as we go live, I want to thank you for persevering with us because, you know, we have had our difficulties, but today it was seamless. And I'm going to say, yay, hallelujah for that. And for those of you of us, those of you who are listening to us on the recorded line, thank you very much for taking the time out to actually listen and hopefully to learn something about a bunch of stuff. But we're going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about life's models. We're just going to have a ball with Dr. Philip Hearn. So before we get started, as always, I have to thank my sponsor, Rise. When you need a supply company to rise to your needs, call Resource Industrial Supply and Equipment Company. They've been a sponsor uh, for a couple of years now, and I really am grateful for that. Uh, housekeeping. Website is champagneconnection.com. That's champagne like the liquor, not the city. And it's a single connection. So it's C-H-A-M-P-A-G-N-E connection.com. Go there and get some merchandise and books. And I do have a new book out, um, Self-Esteem, Your Superpower. I guess I should show you if you don't know. Let's see. I'll get it now. Let's see if we can make this work. Uh, there it is. Uh and it is ways parents can improve children's self-esteem. So it's an easy read. Uh, it's got some great tips in it for parents or anyone who actually has have the privilege of having children in their life. And it'll help you too, because some of the things is just it's just fun. Sometimes we are far too serious. So with that being said, I want to thank Dr. Philip Hearn for joining me. We had a great conversation at the beginning, so he doesn't know it, but we're probably going to end up being old friends, y'all, as I always say. So welcome, welcome today. He's got that great smile too, so you know that means that he's happy and this is going to be a great show. So Tell us a little bit about you. We know that you are a doctor and you've done, you do investments and everything. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about you. I'm excited. So. <laughs> well, first, thanks for, uh, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this has been something I've been looking forward to the last few weeks. So thanks for having me first. Um, so background about me, uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. So from the Midwest. Uh, doctorate is in education with an emphasis in leadership and management. Um, I started my own businesses about 16 years ago. I can't quite believe I'm saying that out loud, but yeah, I guess I'm, I'm getting older, but uh, trying to get wiser in the process too. So, uh, so between uh, entrepreneurial work, um, we're working on real estate acquisitions as well as business acquisitions. I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going. I'm also an adjunct professor here uh, in town at St. Louis University uh, to focus on my second master's, which was uh, an executive master's in health administration. So I work with uh, seniors, uh, undergrad seniors, some undergrad juniors, uh, working with them on strategic management and healthcare. So we, what we try to do is take the theories in the books and actually make it into real life scenarios. In the last couple of years, uh, of yeah. course, working through a pandemic, We've had a lot of fodder to talk about as we've taken that out of the book and into real life scenarios for the kids. So it's been great. Um, but yeah, just um, I'm excited to be here. Like I said, it's uh, it's good energy and I, I have a good feeling we're going to be good friends after this. So I think you're correct on that as well. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned uh, the pandemic and having to teach during the pandemic. And yeah. that's interesting. And I didn't think about that when we were talking earlier. So what were some of the issues people were facing 
as they went into the pandemic, and then again, as they went out of the pandemic? And how did you address those in a classroom setting? Well, that's a fantastic set of questioning. Uh, the first way I had to kind of think uh, introspectively, if you will. Uh -huh. So I had to think, how am I going to come out out of the pandemic a better person all the way through? So not only a better professor, better person, better professional, better friend, better family member, et cetera. So that's kind of how I looked at the pandemic. I know tragic time, very difficult. But I looked at it as an opportunity to kind of sharpen my skill sets, sharpen my relationships. And I wanted to see who came out of a pandemic better than they went in. So that was kind of the first way I attacked it. The second with the students, I think it caused a gap in what college was like. So you've been to college like I have, of course, with the doctorate as well. So and you've been to all different sides of colleges, right? Right. So that, that connection with other students, that connection with folks who... Uh, or on your campus, it's a whole lot different when you're sitting there in a mask, right? And so right. masks are great to keep us safe, but that connection's a little bit lost. So you you notice some of the students early on, um, for instance, that I had in my class kind of struggle with that. So I tried to make sure that we were, uh, even though there were some times, of course, we needed to stay apart, uh, you know, social distance, mm -hmm. nine yards, it's really just trying to make sure that they knew they had good support from their uh, their classmates, uh, we're able to work through group projects so they can kind of feel a part of at least a smaller group and then bring it back to the bigger version uh, and just let them know that they have support throughout it. I think that was the biggest thing that people were really craving, that human touch, that human interaction, that human attention. And so we tried to make sure to uh, to continue to facilitate that throughout the pandemic. So when they when the pandemic ended, what were the reactions or I guess emotional, uh, what was the emo what were the emotions like for the students? Because now you're you're used to like just being by yourself sort of you have a certain rhythm about how you work. Uh, you even have a certain rhythm about when you get up, when you don't get up, how you eat, if you don't wear clothes that day or not wear clothes today. And then right. all of a sudden, right. All of a sudden, you're back like in the real world. So what sort of problems did those present? <laughs> well, I think it provided opportunity. I, I think the first thing that happened is they were extremely grateful. Um, okay. I think getting through an experience like that. I mean, so think about it. I'm 37 and I've seen different things in my lifetime. I've never been through a pandemic as most of us on you know, the call or, or listening or watching or at home most of us hadn't been through a pandemic, right? right? So it was definitely a unique scenario of, okay, could we survive it? What do we need to do? So your survival skills, that fight or flight mentality has to kind of kick in. But I think you saw a bit of relief, truthfully, um, just all the way around campus. People were much happier, just kind of feeling free. But I think it allowed for those folks who were looking to, to try to figure out, okay, when's the light at the end of the tunnel? And so when it finally took place, I think it allowed them some relief to just go, okay, let me now make my adjustments back almost into the real world. Like you said, some days we do need to wear clothes, right? Like I had right. to, I, I lost weight during the pandemic. So I had to go back out and get suits fitted and tailored and everything else. So yeah, I'm, I'm just now getting back into clothing, but, but I, but I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, it, it's that, that transition of, okay, I made a transition into something that was really the unknown. How do I make that transition back to something that I'm much more comfortable with? And so I think you saw relief as the, the overarching characteristic. Fantastic. I did see in uh, some people, they were really comfortable with just sort of being at home and waiting and kind of doing their own thing. And it's like, yeah. oh, God, I've got to go back out and play well with others now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Almost retraining social skills, right? right Trying to relearn right. some of those. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Please and thank you again all over. I have to wait my turn. Right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. What yeah. did my mom and dad teach me? How'd that work? Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. So I think that that was that was interesting too to watch uh people doing that and everybody's rushing to the front of the line like they're two you know it's like it says no we need these social graces back yeah yeah we need to retrain and relearn exactly <laughs> so how did you get into real estate because that is just interesting jump too because that's totally different from from the other stuff that's totally different from the students it's just totally different from 
just about everything that's on your list, your your resume here. So how did you get into that? And what made you think that that was for you? You know, because people say a lot of things like, oh, I just always wanted to do it or it talked to me or whatever. But how did that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple things and, and actually touching on some things we talked about off of there. Mm -hmm. First of all, it was an accident. So it was not actually meant to happen when it started the way that it did. Right. So I started looking into real estate when I was about 17, um, had an interest in it because I like solving problems. So I'm a bit of a research dork. If you tell me, hey, we got mm -hmm. a research project, we've got to figure something out. I dive headfirst in. So the accident was I had a family member who kind of challenged me. So I grew up playing sports. So anytime I get challenged, there's a there's something that clicks, right? Of like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm being challenged. Let's see if I can do it. So uh, at that point, I think I wanted to buy a car. And so I had a family member go, hey, as opposed to buying a car, why don't you buy a property? And walks out of the room. So of course, I'm like, well, that was kind of rude. But then I start digging into real estate. Right. So I just start immersing myself into books and understanding and how to buy and sell. And I uh, did my first project when I was uh, 19, 20. And, uh, and actually lost. So most people don't tell you about their losses, right? As we were talking about too. Right. So not only to have the accident, but the first time out, you get kind of hit in the mouth, right? right? So it's the old Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan to fight him until he punches you in the mouth. So that's what the real estate market did to me. So tried to get into it, tried to understand it, took a loss on my first deal, started making adjustments from there. So it is definitely not a hey, I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow, right? It's taken a lot of years, a lot of adjustments. Some good things have happened. Some very interesting th things have happened. Uh, some, some challenges have happened. But it's something that I wouldn't change because we also talked off air about transferable skill sets, mm -hmm. right? So within that transferable skill set, understanding what it takes to manage a construction project and be in the, in, immersed in that project, it's the same principles as, as I use for uh, business acquisition. It's the same principles I use when I teach my students. Some of my favorite professors were adjunct. So I have to make sure that great, we might have a book to read and use that as a foundational point, but we've got to really make sure that we can take that information and move it into the real world. All right. So here's the theory. How do we actually use it in your day-to-day -day life? Mm -hmm. um, I use the same thing with writing the book. So I know we'll dive into that a little bit later as well. But writing my book, uh, going into more advising and coaching opportunities. So it's being willing to be a lifelong student. I would love to lie and say, oh, I got this in the first six months I did it. But that wouldn't be as fun of a story. And that wouldn't also be true. So it's taken some time. It's taken some efforts. But just trying to tap into contacts, tap into mentors and, and just keep going. So thank goodness I'm a little stubborn. I think it helps in those scenarios like that, too. So. Yeah, it's often said that it, it's 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 not an interesting story if there are no dragons. You know, you got to have right. dragons. Right? So your book, Life Models for Success. So mm -hmm. how did the idea come to you? Because uh, that's what people want to know is like, you know, so was it just something that you thought you needed to do? Or how did you get that idea in the midst of all these other different things? to stop and actually, and then how did you find time? Cause that's yeah. the other thing people say, how do you start? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's always the toughest part. Once you get going and also starting before you think everything is gonna be perfect, right? If you wait mm -hmm. for perfection, nine times out of 10, you never start. So, um, so I guess, let me give you some quick background cause that actually influenced the book. Uh, so being born and raised here, um, I know my biological parents. Uh, I lived with them until I was almost 14 years old. Uh, they were big into, uh, they started working in corporate settings, going to school, ended up in drugs and alcohol, uh, definitely affected our family. So I moved in with an adopted family uh, when I was 13. So um, can't believe how long that's been, uh, almost 24 years ago. Moved in with that adopted family that I knew since second grade. That family adopted me. Interesting scenario. So the adoptive family was white, uh, coming from a, a black family. I did learn one major component, no matter what race, religion, or creed we are, we run into the same issues. We all got the, the crazy uncle. We've all got the loving grandmother. We've all got the, it doesn't matter. So I, I, I can attest to that on both sides of the coin. It does not matter. 
So, uh, but, but I saw quite a bit in terms of that relationship with the adopted family, um, as much as my adopted mother, who I was extremely close with, um, was a big supporter. There were some family members that felt like their place was being taken. There was a baby of the family, just, just a lot of interesting stuff. So my friends, good, good contacts, friends, mentors, family members have always said, you should write a book. Now I've heard this for years. And I think actually I was about 25 when I first started writing the book. So again, did not happen on the first try. I tried everything, sit down, journal, notebook, you know, the little tape recorder. I tried that for a while, nothing worked. So I tried off and on for probably about 10 years. Uh, we got into the pandemic and something was like, okay, everything's kind of settled down, right? So like you said, we're not outside as much, right? Not ripping and running as much. So again, this is a prime time to really start to understand who you are, where did you come from, where are you going, right? Mm-hmm. And so I sat down uh, February of 2021 and just started kind of putting the pieces together. So I thought, I thought to myself first, what do I want to say in the book? So it's got to mean something that is important for me. And so I started to write down, uh, you know, I've had family members, friends, mentors. I still have those today and multiple, more than one mentor, uh, say some really in- encouraging words or important words, kind of when I needed them not even knowing that I would need them until 6, 12, 18 months later, let's say. So I started jotting down some of my favorite mottos. So they come from all different uh, places for me. So again, I mentioned I like sports. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite mottos, uh, Mike Tomlin is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I was watching a press conference. His whole team, like a good chunk of his team was injured, but they were somehow still in first place, having a great season, about to be a, a high seed in the playoffs. And someone in his media room asked him, Mike, how are you able to overcome these injuries? And he, without hesitating, goes, the standard is the standard. When we come in this building, we're expected to be great. We have that expectation. No matter if you are the first guy on the team, you're the starting quarterback, you're the last guy on the bench, you're the towel boy, you're the water manager, upper management, the coaches, the players, we have a high standard. And so I love that saying because I'm like, that's exactly what you sometimes need to hear, right? That right. motto that kind of gets you, yeah. hits you right in the head, keeps you going. So I started to jot down my favorite ones, family members, friends, coaches over the years. And the book started to kind of develop and, you know, worked with a team of editors, self-published. And um, the finished result is, is what you see. So life models for success, simple words to transform your life. And that's kind of how it grew. But it, it took some years to get to that point for sure. So do you use those models with your students when you're teaching? Absolutely. I use them daily myself. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I don't just talk it. I have to walk it as well. But uh, but yeah, I I use them for my, my daily. There's something that happens in all of our days, day, week, month, year, right? And so it's all about mindset. So even listening to some of your previous podcasts and stuff, it put a big smile on my face because it's a similar kind of mentality, right? Right. You can play victim and I've had plenty of reasons and and opportunities to kind of sit in the corner, cry, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But, but tapping into some of those daily, you know, people call them affirmations. I call them mottos, you know, it's whatever verbiage helps you to kind of keep going, but thinking of, a model or two when you're in the midst of a scenario, it forces you to take a deep breath, reset, and then go forward. So no, I, I, I use them with my students. I use them with uh, with close friends of mine. We use them to each other. Uh, but no, I, I have to use them. I, I tap into one, all, if not every day, almost every day for sure. So absolutely. Yes, I, I tap into them every every day, you know, every <laughs> single day. Uh, so, so even with, as as you were growing up, I know because people often ask, or you know, I do the the models, but sometimes they don't work. Or I do affirmations, or I do journaling, uh, whatever practice people have. And I and if you guys are listening to me and have listened to me in the past, you know, I believe you have to have a practice. Okay, so it's a motto, it's meditation, it's whatever it is you need. Okay. But you have to have a practice so that you can remember 
who you are and how good you are and what you want to accomplish for that day. Because if you don't know, you're going to be running around here accomplishing what everybody else wants you to accomplish for them. And that's how this works. So, so when, so do you, do you write them? And then if you find kids who are not having a good day, um, how do you handle that with the models? Because some people have to be reminded and sometimes not so gently. <laughs> right. So the first part of that, so for myself, it's it, sometimes it's written, sometimes it's just something I kind of say as I'm starting my day. So for me, the morning cup of coffee kind of gets me situated, right? So I like to read. I like to just kind of get into my day of, okay, what do I need to accomplish today? what's going to be the most important thing. I'm a big proponent of a to-do list. The the feeling of crossing something off of a to-do list, that that the only, there's two things that I've been able to find uh, competitive wise that, that give me that same kind of adrenaline rush. One, I play golf. So if I can hit a drive 300 yards, and I've done that a few times, that's a beautiful thing because you don't even feel it. It just naturally happens. The second is playing in, in, in a sport or winning a, a big game, right? There's nothing like that. A big sale is now like that for me because I'm a little older, so I can't quite play all the sports I used to back in the day. But for me, writing those down, kind of getting into my day, sometimes just telling yourself, you got this. Just stay locked in. You're going to be okay." So I'm a big proponent that you have to be reminded. Um, Second is the personality type. So I like competition. So I'm I'm self-competitive. I'm self-driven. That's been something since I've been a kid. You mentioned, though, talking with not only students, but business partners, Mm -hmm. close friends. And like you said, having to remind and also understanding the personality type. Mm -hmm. Something I've tried to really take uh, hold of the last few years, which is some people you can you got to put a, you know, put your arm around them and go, you're okay. Let's just reset. Some people you got to kick them in the butt. And so you got to know the personality type to go who's going to respond to what. And not everybody responds to the kick in the butt because they freak out. And not everybody responds to the arm around the shoulder because they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you getting all sentimental? So you have to be able to read the room and and figure out uh, what works for your team, your contact, et cetera. So I know me, it's it's competition. It's it's always trying to be better. Like I said, I try to live like a lifelong student. I don't think I know everything and, and I'm always interested in learning more. So that helps when I then have to go back and hit little reset buttons and go, you're okay. Take a deep breath, reset, refocus. You'll be fine. So where can we find your book? That's really yes. important. And he's self-published. So, you know, you all need to go out and buy that book right now so that he can have some sales and make it to the to best-selling list online. Yes, yes, absolutely. So you can actually find it on Amazon. Uh, so I've, we've set it up to where it's a, a version for Kindle or you can actually get a physical copy of the book, but you can find it on Amazon currently. So, and then hopefully expanding uh, productions in 2023. So looking forward to that as well. Ah, fantastic. That is great. So, so as you go through your day and you're doing all your real estate holdings, what's been one of the most exciting uh, real estate exchange you've had? And then we're going to ask about what's been the most not so exciting one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want it, people to think that it's all going to be like fun, 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 because I know <laughs> it's not. Yeah, what's the saying? It, 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 not everything is sweet all the time. It's, it's right. definitely not. I, I'd be again. I'd be lying to you if I said that it was. Um, I, I even have to expand that if you don't mind to don't business mind. acquisition too. So because right. to me they're kind of one and the same. Mm-hmm. I think the most fun that I've been having is that that chase of a deal, right? So what our team does, real estate, uh, business uh, acquisition, whatever it may be, we go out and of course we we have our we have our criteria, right? So we have what fits, what doesn't. So a lot of people they don't quite break down that list to know what's going to fit their criteria, what's going to be a good fit for them, and then what they shouldn't even worry about right so that saves a ton of time alone uh but i think the most fun is just the, the art of putting the deal together i mean the negotiations are fun mm-hmm. um understanding what you may be able to do with either the property or the business uh you're you're in a people business no matter what you're doing right so you can own a property you could buy a single family or 100 units at one time you can buy a business that is fledgling and you need to turn it around or you can grow an existing uh, cash flowing business 
you're in the people business. So, you know, I always tease my friends, I'm the most introverted extrovert, right? Because when I want my time to just kind of settle down, I do so. But I, I enjoy working with people. I enjoy solving the challenges that may take place and, and any issues or problems that may come up. Because truthfully, if you look back in history, the people who have made the most money solve issues, right? They're just problem solvers. They call them all different things, but they really are just problem solvers. So um, so to me, that's the most fun. It's just that that chase of the deal, going through the negotiation, peeling back uh, the layers of a deal, really trying to understand, okay, how are we going to reposition this, right? Is it a short, medium, or long-term reposition? What does that look like? Do we have to keep uh, players already in-house, or do we need to go out and bring some of our team of our network into the mix? So it's just that strategy of trying to be as efficient as possible, but knowing you're going to get all sorts of challenges and things thrown in the way. So that to me is the most fun. Uh, you mentioned probably most stressful. I would say, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little impatient. So <laughs> sometimes it's the patience piece for me and, and knowing that, okay, it's going to take two, three days and you're in your mind, you're like, we got to go now, right? So I've been trying to be better and more mindful of being patient in the deal because that sometimes can, if you make too many rash decisions in a deal, that will de derail it, right? So you could have all the money, all the assets, all the whatever for the deal. But if you're impatient and trying to push something that kind of, okay, I need to set this aside. There's three other things I can concentrate on. It just allows you to keep the deal as fast as it may be moving. It allows you to slow that process down a little bit. So patience is, is sometimes... It's my bugaboo. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. So, yeah. <laughs> so what are your techniques to remind you to be patient? <laughs> and I, uh, I'm, ask, I'm asking for me because yeah, I'm not yeah. all patience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the biggest art sometimes is finding those moments where you can get up and walk away. I know that sounds counterintuitive and counterproductive, right? But sometimes it is, okay, I need, I need to go, I need to go take a walk. I need to get completely away. I'm, I'm stuck on something in a project, a deal, um, negotiations with contacts, with partners, whatever. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm a big believer in, in energy and vibe, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's just something where I'm like, it's not that you give up, but you got to kind of know, all right, I need to go somewhere else for a second, right? So some days if it's nicer out, you know, right now it's gloomy in St. Louis, but if it's a nicer day, sometimes I'm like, all right, let me go to the driving range, right? I'll still bring my phone. I'll bring my stuff if I need it. But I need to just kind of, I need to get some fresh air. Sometimes just walking around in my neighborhood. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I'm going to go run some errands, right? Whatever that thing is for you that day, it just allows you to kind of settle. Your thoughts become a lot clearer just by taking a few minutes, maybe an hour even uh, or so uh, to just get away, come back to the project, try to look at it with fresh eyes and then go back to the attack. Okay, and that that works. I'm going to try that. So, I have to admit, I do find that just taking a break sometimes, even if it's a short break, uh, does help to recenter you. And yes. I I have, I and I would encourage others to even take a little pad and pencil with you wherever, because sometimes you don't even know what's bothering you, but it you you know your 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 mind knows. So if you just start literally writing, I don't know what I'm going through. It'll tell you. And then that way you can like adjust it and then move on. So, uh, yeah. but that's good to know because people, I think people try to push themselves too hard when they get to that point, they think they can push themselves through it. When sometimes I think it's just the universe demanding that you take a break so that you can actually process everything that's going on and then perhaps get the answer that they've been trying to give you, which you've been too busy to even pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a difference of pushing through adversity mm -hmm. versus trying to push a brick wall. Right. Right. Well, sometimes right. you take a step back from the brick wall. It's like, well, I could have climbed. There's, there's a rope right there. I can climb right. it. Right. I can literally walk around the wall. I could, right. you know, there's nine different ways to attack it as opposed to trying to put two hands and push a brick wall. So, so sometimes it's, it, it's, that is that difference of understanding of, okay, I'm running into a brick wall versus, okay, it's a little bit uncomfortable that you keep going through the uncomfort. You don't push the brick wall. So. So what are some of your other favorite uh, models that are in your book? So I have to admit my favorite is from, um, 
the grandmother in my adopted family that I talk about in the book. So not, not even giving anything away, but uh, her name was Grandma Jackie. Um, so her favorite thing, and, and so she knew that I was impatient. That, okay. So we've had plenty of conversations from being very young, going through the college process, resume. She just kind of looked at me one day, and I forget what we were talking about exactly, but it was just a, a topic. She could see the passion on my face, and she could see that I was getting angry. And she looks at me and she goes, Philip, you need to do the best you can with what you have at the point in time. And of course I heard her and I went, okay, grandma, I mean, that's great, but I got to solve this issue right now. Right. But that's one of those models that if you get into a scenario and you're trying to kind of figure your way out. So again, you know, deal acquisitions or opportunities are a part of that. I think of that model. That's probably the model that I think of the most. Do the best you can with what you have at the point in time. And so it, it taps into something you mentioned before. We didn't just get to this point in our lives by accident, right? There's right. been some trials and tribulations. You got enough metal to you that's allowed you to get to this point and get to it successfully, right? right. And so that is one of those small little reminders of you're further than you think. You have to give yourself a little bit of grace. You have to give yourself a little bit of credit. Uh, and it's not even about cockiness. It's just about being confident in where you are, right? You wouldn't be in this scenario if you really didn't deserve it. And a lot of people, again, that transferable set of skills, like we talked about earlier, they don't give themselves enough grace or credit to go, I can take this skill, this mindset and move it over here and now do this project, this job, this whatever it may look like. So yeah, that's my favorite. Grandma Jackie's is probably my favorite out of all 21 in the book. So that's fantastic. Uh, I was just thinking, as my grandmother used to say, because I won't let anything rest. You know, I'm one of those. It's like, I'm like a dog with a bone. It's not going to rest to its all. And she would <laughs> say, you know, sometimes you just need to take a nap. <laughs> Man, so, I agree with your grandma because so so sometimes you need a 30 minute. Right. You need a 30 minute, right? You just need to take a nap so your brain can rest. I promise mm -hmm. you the answer will come, right? And the answers yeah. always do come, but when you have a specific kind of personality, it's like you just got to solve that problem and you got to solve it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So in real estate, as, as we talked earlier again, we know that's where everybody wants to go. So sure. have you found that you need a certain disposition uh, when you're dealing with real estate? Who are the worst personality types to, to be in there? Everybody wants to run to that because they think that is the golden goose. Yeah. Um, so they would be right in running to it in the sense of if you look at, and I don't have the stats in front of me, so I'm usually better than this, so bear with me, but Quite a few uh, people who have created, let's just say, generational wealth, whatever you may think that that is, a lot of them use real estate as a conduit to that, right? Mm -hmm. So real estate and business mindset. Um, I think the toughest personality types, and so again, this taps into my patience, the people that sell a good game and then don't deliver on the good game, right? So okay. you got a ton of people that will say... Okay, so case in point, you used to do a lot of single family and smaller uh, flip opportunities. And I always was weary about the guy who was the roofer. He could also do flooring. He also was drywall. Oh, yeah. In construction, 99% of the time, the jack of all trades literally gets nothing done. Not even oh, a little bit, nothing. So the roofer was never my floor guy. I had a roofer and then I had a flooring guy, right? So I think that always tested my patience because you could see the talent that they had. And I think when you're when you're seeing a before and after, which gives me a thrill, you mm -hmm. see the talent that so many people do possess. But again, it goes back to that confidence piece. It goes back to, am I biting off more than I can chew? So like, mm -hmm. don't tell me you're going to get this done in a week when I already know it's a three or four week job. So my realistic expectation of you is three to four times as much as what you're saying. Um, and, and you'd have a lot of those folks that would kind of jump into a project, not really have everything ready to go and just couldn't get it done. So that, that's, that's one of those examples where I know it tests my patience. I'm, I'm a hundred percent admitted it to you and the viewing public. Yes. That, that will drive you nuts sometimes. So. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I don't like it when I know more about what you need to do than you know what you need to do. <laughs> you know, yes. Like when you're the expert, right. right. 
Right. I'm not, I'm not that it's that expert or not supposed to be that expert, but yeah, that test my patients too. It's like, yes. no, it's nowhere you're going to get all that done. And, and I don't make my deadline and I'm not happy and <laughs> no, it's not going to work. So, so people right. need to, you're right. People do need to be really careful with that subcontractor. And I think what I find and find too is what you said is people want someone that's a jack of all trades, but that's not going to get you that end product that you want. Right. And that's when the right. problem is. So they need to know that. So thanks for bringing that out because it's always, I've got a guy who can do roofing and flooring and paint you know, and tile. It's like, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> no, I'm good. Thank you though. <laughs> right. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so do you, uh, so do you, do you have a plan when you're in the real estate that you're looking for certain kinds of things? Do you, lean towards some things, some types of property more than other types of property. Um, and do you keep them long? Because what I find sometimes is people, you know, they want to buy property that they can rent, but they don't like renters. It's like, I don't know how that's supposed to work. So, so should you just stick with what it is, you know, you like to do and work that? Because people are out here thinking real estate is their answer, but they're not being very successful with it. Right. Uh, there's so many avenues in real estate. You can find so many avenues. And I'll, I'll give you a case in point. So I have been everything from the GC. I've been a subcontractor. I've been the investor. I've been a landlord. I've done all the things. So that, that okay. would be um, that would probably be over a very expensive bottle of champagne. Uh, okay. It would not even be a cheap bottle. Yes. So, <laughs> but we don't do champagne over here. So you're covered. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's perfect. I figured I was in the right place. So, right. Um, so within that, one of the things, and this is something I kind of stumbled upon, was, for instance, buying and selling of mortgage notes. Right. So it's actually being the bank. You hold the paper. So think about it. We've all had a mortgage or we know someone who's had a mortgage, right? And so as opposed to being on the buyer side or the borrower side of the table, you actually are acting as the bank. There's teams you put in place or so servicing teams, uh, maintenance teams, uh, but you don't actually have to worry about the property on a day-to-day -day unless it's vacated or foreclosed upon or anything like that. So for instance, something like that allows you not to have to deal with the renters, right? Because the borrower may decide to put a renter in there. So I, I heard this saying early in my career when I started looking at mortgage notes after doing flipping. They go, there's two ways to think about it. Let's say a refrigerator breaks or a toilet breaks at 3 a.m. If you're a landlord, guess who gets that phone call? You do. If you're a lean lord, meaning you hold the paper on that building and you don't call Chase Bank when your toilet breaks, right? If your right. mortgage is with Chase Bank, they going to say, why are you calling us? Call a plumber and hang up the phone. So it's a, a much more powerful position to be a lean lord potentially than a landlord. Not to say you never want to be a landlord because there's plenty of ways to utilize that uh, to its greatest benefit, even as you're creating a mortgage note or something to that effect. But but there's a different way of doing it. So that was something that, you know, when I first started out, I had no idea you could actually be the bank. Right. And so. Mm -hmm. A lot of learning classes and trainings, and I can tell you good ones to take and good ones not to take and good books to read and ones to kind of, eh, you can read those later, but a lot of, of trial and error and, and kind of stumbled upon understanding not only mortgage notes, but then it started to allow me to understand how to use that in business transactions, right? Seller financing, so you can get into a deal to make it better and pay back the seller via their seller's note. So there's all these methods of it sounds like something I just learned in real estate, but I've been able to apply that to to multiple opportunities, acquisitions and and growth pieces over the years. So but that's one way of doing it where you don't have to be a landlord, which is kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. I hadn't even thought about that myself. That's really cool. You don't have to deal yeah. with people. <laughs> just, yeah. Just... And you just get a check in the mail. I mean, right. they, that's the true definition of mailbox money. And then if you know something, heaven forbid, happens to the building. You've got, you've got insurance on it. They pay you as the, uh, as the, uh, the assigner, basically. So you're the one creating the paper. If anything happens to the building, you get, you're in the first lien position in, in some cases, or you can do a second. So there's so many avenues, but to me, that's one of the simpler ones that most people don't usually know. 
Yes, I did not know. It's like, wow, it's like, that is so cool. It's like, (laughs) I like dealing with the money and the numbers parts of it. It's like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So when you, so what does your day look like? Because it's like you do, you do a lot of things. What does your day look like? And and do you sleep? (laughs) So the, the most important piece of that is I sleep like a baby. When I go to bed, I've done what I can do in that day. I don't, I, you know, I know a lot of, I have friends who are like, I can't sleep. I'm like, if I go to sleep, it's over. Like, you know, if I need to get up and get something done, I can do that too. But I go to, I sleep just fine. I sleep normally seven, eight hours, you know, a good healthy rounded number. Right. right? Um, but no, so normal day for me, I'll wake up. Like I said, I like to kind of just take a peek at the news. I like to read if I can help it. And then I have some news on the background. Uh, I normally start my day watching uh, Bloomberg. So for me, it's all about numbers and the economics behind the mm-hmm. whys, right? So mm-hmm. I, I really kind of get a kick out of that. Um, I, I usually write out my to-do list the night before if I can help it, but sometimes I'm like, I'm kind of stuck. So I need to go to bed, wake up. The first things that come to mind, I get them on the to-do list. Um, for me, it's a lot of follow-ups in the morning in terms of like emails, uh, certain phone calls when it becomes of hours, right? For follow-up contacts that I need, uh, whether we're looking at deal structure uh, so like lately we've been, we're looking at an acquisition that hopefully we will close uh, first couple of weeks into January. Uh, it's a business acquisition. So mm-hmm. my mornings right now have been basically leading the due diligence team. So first things I do is I check to see if my legal due diligence, my commercial due diligence and my uh, fiscal due diligence teams need anything. And then I work with the seller's broker and the seller themselves to make sure they get the documents over to us. Then I'm having a quick team kind of powwow with uh, with my partners and my equity partners. Uh, so that's probably the first couple hours of the day, but that's that's fun. Like for me, I can listen to a podcast like yours. I can listen to some music. So I kind of like to get going with a little bit of music during my day. Uh, and then after that, it's the other businesses, it's the other projects. Uh, so whatever the most pressing projects are, I need to, I'm like you, once I'm kind of locked in, I want to get it done or I want to get it to the point where it's like, OK, this portion's out of my hands. I need my person to come back to me with some information to keep the ball going. Uh, after that, I try to get a workout in. I'm more of a evening workout person than a morning workout person. I can do a morning workout, especially if it's golf. But <laughs> if it's up to me, I like to steal the evening, get a couple hours in, uh, go to the gym, lift, play some basketball, uh, get some cardio in. I'll come back eat, take a shower, probably dive back in. I'll read something, right? So it may be anything from reading my my students' papers to uh, reading something to kind of prep for the next day or some other meeting coming up next week. Um, maybe even just reading a book that I'm interested in at that point in time. But a lot of the books are about strategy and about, you know, business, you know, and all that. I'm not a big like Harry Potter fan or anything, right? I know I have family members and friends who are, uh, then I kind of wind it down and do it again the next day. So it's, uh, it's a pretty good schedule though. Well, now you need it for your Harry Potter friends. You need to read one book. This just makes no, no yeah. sense or anything just to relax and, and laugh and have fun now. I, I let them do it. Yeah. And I've got other books like that, that, you know, I just, I just thought the books were too long. So, but I've got family members who would be mad at me that I just said that. So that's all right. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, the Harry Potter books were long, but they were very, they were very, very good. Not everyone knows. Oh, she reads Harry Potter too. So unlike you, I read a variety of things. I think you have to give your mind some kind of workout. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you, you have to you have to read something, even if it's only a few pages or something. So you have talked about a, just a large array of things in your day. So how do you transition from one to the other? Like they require different levels of energy. And then you trans, you're going to like, OK, so now I'm going to go and teach, too. And that's a whole new ball game. How do you keep it straight? How do you get the energy together? It's a lot of a uh, lot of calendar usage, uh, a lot of contacts. I've, I've got my uh, my personal assistant that, that helps me with that. But for me, in terms of the energy piece, I think there's two buckets. So number one. I knew very early on, so I, I had a corporate career as I was building my, my businesses originally. I worked in telecommunications. I uh, worked at a couple different uh, telecom stops. And uh, I realized then that wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. 
And so everything that I do for the most part, right, it's something I actually enjoy. So it really doesn't feel like work. So that that's the first piece for me. I knew I had to find things that stimulated my mind, no matter if it was 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. So if I pick it up, I'm still I'm still engaged. Right. Uh, so that that's ex- extremely important to me. Second, having those transferable skills and understanding what are we going to need to do in order to get this project to the finish line? I liken it to when someone has worked in a corporate setting, right? So let's say you've worked in sales before, sales or marketing. You normally don't just have one project that you're doing in a sales or marketing role right. or even an HR role. Right. There might be 10 different fires you have to put out in a day. The only difference for me is they're using my fires that I might start or somebody drops on my desk, right? right. But, but I'm okay with that because I can at least enjoy the process I know, you know, the end goal of what we're trying to get to, as opposed to, for me, working for someone else. I've done it. I know I took a lot of really good things from those experiences, but I knew I liked me better than working for a corporation the full time, the way, you know, the way I was doing it when I was going to school. So I was working, uh, I was going to school, I was playing sports, mm-hmm. and I was also building my own businesses. So nothing that I do now is any more difficult than that. So even going, going into class, I enjoy paying it forward. I enjoy giving my knowledge and hopefully helping someone get to where they want to go. So it doesn't take a lot for me to continue to have energy, no matter how long of a day it is. You know, there might be a second coffee stuck in there. But for the most part, the the energy of what I'm actually working on gives me enough of a push to kind of keep going throughout a day. So it's always an opportunity to learn and try to be better. And it's always an opportunity to pay it forward to others that uh, that want to do the same. So that keeps me going for sure. So how did you carve out time to write life's models for success? (laughs) So I tell people the pandemic, everybody kind of came into my world. And again, I know how crazy the pandemic itself was, but I've been used to working from home or remote, right? So for instance, there are definitely times where I can get out of bed, stumble 20 steps into my office and start to work, right? Uh, or have my own office. So that portion of the pandemic, everybody else was freaked out because they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And I'm I'm kind of chuckling in that silo because I go, look, I've always, I've always said, if you have a phone, an internet, uh, you know, a band of internet, uh, a laptop, you can work from anywhere, right? And I, I think I had right. almost worked everywhere. So that part was a little bit easier and that was not as much of a transition for me. Then second, I I mean, so as I mentioned in the evening, sometimes when I'm reading stuff, I was also starting to write in the evening. So I kind of would take those opportunities to get into a good group. And I I definitely had writer's block. There was a couple of days where I'm like, nothing's coming, right? Like I got the model down. I know what I want to talk about. Trying to get it on paper was virtually impossible. So I took a walk. I went and did other things. I was able to still go play golf and go be active at least. So that was a big conduit. But that kind of fired something else up. And like you said, have a little notepad or have something on your phone, like a notes tab on your phone. I would do that. Um, one of the mottos I actually wrote, um, I was on a um, on a walk and I had my phone out and mm-hmm. I went, oh, wait, I should, I need to write this down right now. And so I got back to my desk after the walk and, and it just started to flow. So, so it was, it was, um, you know, it's, it, everything's a challenge if you allow it to be a challenge, right? But again, it's stuff that I enjoy doing. Um, they're, they're projects, and, and a lot of the projects now are passion projects. So it's either something I've wanted to do when I've been told, hey, you should write a book, or it's been something that's been of interest and I've done the research and, you know, now I kind of want to see what the next steps look like. So yeah, sitting down and writing the book, uh, there was a couple days that were difficult, but the overall process was was not too bad. Would I do it again? Yes. I don't know how well I would do it again, but I, I would try it again for sure. So, <laughs> well, once you've done one, I'm, I'm here to tell you the others are sort of lined up back there because I was after my fourth book, I was not going to write another book. I said to the universe, "I'm not writing another book." Right? Don't send me any anything in my head. I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention. And then. I went on a hiking vacation. Mm. <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It's just, and I encourage everyone listening, like I said earlier, keep a pad, use your phone, uh, just something to write, write, because 
when you're out there, you'll be surprised what ideas come to you. And you can't trust that they'll come a second time. So you need to get them when they come uh, and then write them down. You'll be surprised how we get the solutions to problems or issues we're dealing with. They never come when you sit there and say, oh, yeah, I need to know what this is. No, trust me. They're coming when I'm on a six-mile hike. Okay, that's when they come. All right? So I know this now. So yeah. you just have to write it down and just go with it when when it's ready. When it's ready, it shows up and you just have to be willing to go with it. So I want to, gosh, I have found this incredibly interesting. So what's your next thing? I just have to know. It's like, I know something's knocking on the back of your head saying, hey, hey, I'm ready to be born. What's that thing? Yeah. So uh, a couple things are taking place. Uh, I'm excited about 2023. Um, so again, as I talked about, we're working on, we're in due diligence phase. So it's still in the confidentiality phase, but we're hopefully close to uh, picking up another uh, business via acquisition. So we're going to look to grow that acquisition model, have some what are called roll-ups, meaning, you know, similar companies in kind of the same industry, roll them up under one big umbrella, go back out to market potentially in the next three, five, maybe 10 years. And Let's see what we can sell it for, right? So that that's some uh, some work that my team and I are doing right now, uh, working, uh, finishing up my uh, International Coaching Federation uh, coaching certification. Uh, so then I'll be able to start working more uh, with clientele that I'm excited about. So I've always done consulting, but now digging more into the coaching. Uh, we, we also do advisory work with business owners. Uh, so that actually ties into uh, my website, which is Philip Speaks. So Philip with two L's, speaks with an S.com. Uh, so coaching, advisory, um, consulting work, working with business owners on how to help them grow their business, uh, public speaking engagements, corporate coaching, the whole nine yards. So we've got that lined up for 2020, uh, 2023. Uh, and then also still going to be teaching, going to look at uh, doing some more work with the book and maybe go back out, uh, out to market with it. So a couple couple things that I'm, I'm breaking with you that I haven't really told everybody. So you're getting the inside scoop, which I'm excited about. I am excited too. That is just wonderful. It's, it's just fantastic. And for those of you who are watching, th this is just an example of never let your dreams die. You know, as that saying says, don't take all your music to the graveyard, you know, start the thing that you want to do just start it it'll it will help you give birth to it and just start it and have confidence in yourself but you do have to write you have to write things down so tell us a, again where we can get life's models for success because i want everyone to surely get a copy and start your journaling of from that book that's great so yes. where do we get it so we can, you guys can get it on uh, Amazon. Uh, you can get it in Kindle form. You can actually get a physical uh, softback copy. Uh, so again, the book, Life Models for Success, Simple Words to Transform Your Life. You can also connect with me uh, on my website. Uh, that's philipspeaks.com. So Philip, two L's. That's the only right way to spell it. Speaks with an S at the end, .com. Uh, you can get in touch with me, email me. Uh, set up some time. Like I said, if you're looking for coaching, uh, advisory work, consulting, uh, my team and I can definitely help you. So looking uh, looking forward to hearing from, from the viewing public out there. So this is exciting. So in your coaching, do you do executive coaching? You do personal coaching? Uh, more executive and business coaching, but okay. I do take on some personal coaching clients. Uh, just kind of, uh, you know, I, I like you said, it's, it's more of a vibe and an energy, right? What are you right. looking to accomplish? And, and one of the, the main questions, I'll, I'll give away a little bit of the trade secrets. I always want to understand people's why, right? So if you can understand the why, you can start to get going. Uh, there's there's an old uh, uh, writer, Stephen Covey. There's a book, there's a line in the book that says beginning with the end in mind, right? So using right. the end in mind is your why. That's I've always been able to kind of correlate those two things. So, so Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to, you have got to understand the why. And you've got to have more than one reason for the why, too. In my coaching, we go through a whole exercise of what are your five whys, why you want to do this thing, right? right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it. a lot of, yeah, it's, it's just incredibly important. Why? Why do you want to do it? And you're right. You've got to see yourself doing it. Um, 
and people have struggled with that. And for those who you are, are listening, uh, everyone struggles with seeing themselves in, in something at some point in time. So if you find yourself there now, don't feel bad about that because we all experience that. Just go back and get clear about your why and then start just journaling. What is it going to look like? You'd be surprised how these things will talk to us and how we can open up our brain and our minds in order to know what it is we need to do. So I want to thank you again. This has been like wonderful. We could do this all night. <laughs> My audience knows I could do this all night. So we'll have to do a second part of, a second part of this so that. <laughs> so I that to it. Yeah, because this is absolutely fantastic. So again, I want to encourage everyone to get your copy of Life's Models for Success by Dr. Philip Hearn is on Amazon. And as you all know, I want all of y'all to rush out there in the next week, seven days, and I want you to buy copies of that book so that it can uh, go up to either the bestseller or to the number one release in uh, a section because that's important. And I want to give you your other marching orders about that book and is that please leave reviews because he needs those reviews in order for the for the book to climb up to the number one spot. Okay, so those are your that's your assignment. So I like that you're giving them homework. I'm supposed to be the professor. You're giving them homework. This is beautiful. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, I love homework. Everybody knows me. I was a kid in class. Like, where is the homework? I love the homework. Okay, so the homework's the best part. The reviews are wonderful. Uh, and that way other people can find the book, but Amazon's algorithms algorithms do function on those reviews. So we don't want his book to, to go down to the bottom. This is These are very important things. So everyone needs a model for success. If you don't have one, his book will, has few you can borrow. I'm sure he won't mind. So Please do. <laughs> that's right. So again, he can be reached at Philip Speaks, that's two L's and an S on speaks.com. And you can get messages to him that way. And you can find his book on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. And Kindle, you could get like right now to read. And paperback, if you need something to write in, you can buy the paperback. So you should buy two. You should buy both. Okay. <laughs> All right. You did. Because you can't really, you can highlight in Kindle, but you can't really write notes. So you need to write in the book. So you need your own book to write in. So Exactly. <laughs> so with that, I want to thank you again for, for being here with me tonight. It was wonderful. I had a great time and you have truly inspired me too. So I can now tell people I'm not the only one that does 30 things. You need to talk to Philip Hearn. He does them too. Okay. So. Yeah, we can tell him it can be done. <laughs> That's right. And I look forward to uh, having a follow-up show with you just to see how it's going and see where you are with the book because we're going to make sure that book makes it up top of the list because that's something that people need. And with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening to me tonight. As you know, I always say, may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. And it does already do it. Just pay attention so you'll know that it's doing it. Be inspired into a further notice. I want you to celebrate absolutely everything. Find the good in everything that happens. And don't go gently into that good night. I want you to find a heel worth dying and I want for and take it. I want you to be the person that you have been waiting for. And as I always say, make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous. Above all else, do it your way. This is Stephanie Wilson-Coleman, known as the Empowerment Doctor. And as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. So with that, we're going to sign off. I'm going to, uh, with some luck, guys, you know, I'm going to put this closing on because I absolutely love it. And you guys just have a great week. Bye now. Hi, I'm Stephanie Wilson-Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And I'm here today with the fourth tip for taking control of your finances. We are going to look at ways to increasing your income. Start to sell some assets that you don't need or rarely use. Consider taking a part-time job, even if it's on a temporary basis or a seasonal basis. Look at ways to turn your hobbies into secondary sources of income. I know most of you have some fantastic hobbies that could make you some great income. 
and then create multiple lines of passive income streams. Give one of these or all of these a try, and I'm sure you'll be successful in increasing your income. This is Stephanie Wilson Coleman, The Empowerment Doctor, and as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Bye now.